I can't check out your oranges, Mrs. Now won't you bring them back? For they come from South Africa, where white oppresses black. I'd have it on my conscience, and I couldn't sleep at night if I helped support the system that denies black people's rights. These are the lyrics from a song, which tells the story of a three-year-long strike that led Nelson Mandela, on his conferral of the freedom of the city of Dublin, to say, Ordinary people far away from the crucible of apartheid cared for our freedom. An act of care that helped keep him going while in prison. This week, we start the Irish storytelling series. Balcha, welcome to Connected Communication, a podcast exploring the intriguing interplay between language, culture and the brain, sharing speaking secrets along the way. I'm your host, Christine. I don't want to interrupt the narrative as we go along today, so I'm going to share with you very quickly a reminder to check the show notes, to click through and look at the Connected Communication Club, a treasure trove of public speaking, English pronunciation and neurocultural communication content that also gives you direct access to monthly coaching sessions with me for less than the Dublin strikers received in wages while they were on the picket line. In old Ireland, a poet or bard of literature and history was called an Ulm. It literally translates as most great. Like the jester of the court, each chief has its own Ulm. Except the Ulm, unlike the jester, was not bestowed privileges but instead held equal social standing to that of the provincial king. Uli, the plural form, were scholarly figures, educated and responsible for the transmission of knowledge. Shan on the other hand, were storytellers, often self-taught and the keepers of Irish myths, legends, folklore and local traditions or histories. They made sure, and do to this day, that our stories were not lost to time. My grandfather was a Shanky, and some say I have inherited his gift. Maybe that's now why I'm bringing you this series. Irish storytelling is unique. We don't really tell stories. We weave them. So I call it story weaving, which is what you'll hear me talk about and what I'll talk about on my platform as well interlacing threads of tales in one direction and entwining them with others as the story moves along. Weave has many meanings. To twist and turn or thread one's way through somewhere, weaving through the streets. To invent, make up or fabricate a complex story or pattern from a number of also potentially complex events. Or to create a new magic spell one that may take elements of others, but which has never been spoken before in exactly the same way. Those of you familiar with the discovery of witches will recognise this as the magic of the weaver, a witch that has skills normal witches do not. And so we have the magic of the story weavers of Ireland, who carry forwards an oral tradition that has spanned many thousand a year and who lace together luscious lyrical legends with a 
a humour and wit scarce found anywhere else in the world. And I'd like to bring that gift to you. Over the next few episodes, I'm going to share with you, through song, poetry, myth and folklore, how to weave stories like the Irish, so that you may sally forth or embark upon your own story-weaving journey, interlacing cultural nuance, linguistic flair, humour, wit and wisdom, leaving your audience captivated every time you speak. There are typical aspects to any story, as you no doubt know. You probably have heard talk of the hero's journey by Joseph Campbell from 1949, which, I'll tell you the truth, I've neither read nor studied. I've heard it loads of times over the last couple of years, and I hadn't actually heard of it before. Every time I go to look at it, the idea of thinking about splitting anything up into 12 different sections and breaking it all down before building it up again makes my brain fry, truthfully. I'm lucky to have grown up steeped in the richness of Irish storytelling, as well as studying it for my speech and drama diploma from the theoretical side, with my mum as my teacher, so I grew up with it in my house. To say it's ingrained in me would be an understatement. And that's why I love helping clients learn how to weave stories into their presentations so much. But I digress. Then there's the three-act structure, where you build up from the setup to a striking point. Continue development, rise towards a climax with another striking point in between, wobble on the apogee in crisis before falling towards a resolution. It's a bit like the law of suspense and conclusion, actually, when, when I think about it from inflection and vocal production. As you choose, you can add lots of little obstacles and mini crises along the way. Some attribute the origin of this structure to Aristotle, apparently. He was a master of rhetoric and persuasive expression, so who knows? He was around 384 BC, I think he was, he was born. Others say it started as late as the 1970s when it was brought in for script writers and screenplays, but adapted from Aristotle's work. There's something else then called Freytag's Pyramid. I'm not sure if I get, I'm getting the pronunciation right. Um, his German from the mid 18th century which to me seems a bit like a circumflex inflection. When you think about some of the words in French, description, the incident, rising action, climax, falling action, resolution or catastrophe with a denouement, denouement, <laughs> or the finale, when it's all tied together. So it's basically like an upside down V. It, to me, it's kind of similar to the three-act structure, except it doesn't have three, it's got two, with little bumps in the middle. Irish story weaving uses aspects of all of this, but Irish myths began to be passed down orally in the prehistoric era, sometime from about 2.5 million years ago until around 1200 BC. The oldest Irish relic found dates from around 300 to 400,000 BC, actually in Mel in Drogheda, up the road from where I'm from, and not too far from the Boyne Valley. Actually, that's in the Boyne Valley, so not too far from Newgrange and uh, Nouth and Douth and a lot of those old sites. So it's fair to say the Irish have been weaving tales together since long before little Aristotle knew what a story was. In today's example, 
We look at the song Dunstores, written by Sandra Kerr and sung by the incomparable Christy Moore, a musical weaver if ever there was one. How does he do it? How does he do it? So I'm going to bring you through the song. And as I bring you through the song, I'm going to explain to you the different aspects of how to put together an Irish story using the song as the example. Of course, as you hear the words of the song, you'll hear the tale that is being told in the song as well. Close your eyes and come back with me to 1984. We'll take a walk down Henry Street to Dunn's department store. The supermarket's busy and the registers make a din. The groceries go rolling out and the cash comes rolling in. Oh, maybe I'll sing it. I hadn't thought I was going to sing it. Let's see how we go on. So this first verse breaks the step one of deciding on what your theme or your message is. That comes later in this one. This sets the scene and the atmosphere. Setting the scene is essential in an Irish story. Consider the landscape, the historical period, the specific location. Atmosphere is critical. So here we've got the uh, historical period, 1984. Take a walk down Henry Street. If you've ever been to Ireland, you'll, you'll be able to see Henry Street in your mind. It's got that big, beautiful old market, one of the oldest markets in Europe, I believe. The supermarket's busy, the registers make a din, the groceries go rolling out. So we, we're there, we can feel the hustle and bustle of a department store. And next. Mary Manning is at the checkout and she's trying to keep warm. When a customer comes up to her with a basket on her arm, the contents of the basket, Mary's future is to shape, but the label clearly stated, produce of the cake. So here we have a couple of things. Character development first. Name your characters. They usually have strengths and flaws. Make them as real as possible. So the person can nearly see their brother, sister, father, mother, uncle, aunt, priest standing in front of them as you tell the story. Here we've got Mary Manning at the checkout. She's named. She's cold because she's trying to keep warm. And a customer comes up to her. Here we go into the oral tradition, the next thing or aspect in creating an Irish story. We consider how the story will sound out loud. We use repetition, alliteration and vivid descriptions. The contents of the basket, Mary's future is to shape. Do you hear the contents of the basket? Mary's future is to shape. The is becomes a little of the sound, of course, but... There's a lot of that alliteration of the sound moving through the words. We've also got lyrical language, another aspect of Irish stories. Yes, this is a song, of course, so it's going to be lyrical, but the Irish language heavily influences Irish storytelling. So it is very lyrical how we tend to speak them and tell the stories. Here we've got keep warm, basket on her arm, future is to shape. All of these coming together, adding to that lyrical sense, that beautiful movement, arm, warm, shape, cape. I'm building into a bit of intrigue. Next. I can't check out your oranges, Mrs. Now, won't you bring them back? 
for they come from South Africa where white oppresses black. I'd have it on my conscience and I couldn't sleep at night if I help support the system that denies black people's right. This is a key part of the story. Here we have the conflict. Stories love a good conflict, a villain and a hero, or a heroine in this case, thank you very much. Heroines and heroes in Irish stories will often face the test of character. It's in our DNA to have our characters tested. So here we have Mary's character coming in here. And following on to this, we have the theme or the message. It's beginning to become apparent that the theme or the message that we want to share here is about apartheid, about what's happening in South Africa. We haven't got the full theme or the message just yet, but we're getting a sense of it. And in this aspect, we want to set the theme or the message that we want to share. It's often done first in standard stories, but <laughs> the Irish being the Irish, we like to bend a rule or two. You may have a moral message to share or underlying themes or wisdom to impart. Here, as I say, we've moved into it and it continues. Our union says don't handle them. It's the least that we can do. We fought oppression. We fought oppression here for centuries. We'll help them fight it too. And then we'll pause for a moment. So here, we've got that theme or the message really coming through. It's the strike, it's apartheid, and moving into the potential for what the impact of a small group of workers from Ireland can have on the world. Just because we're small doesn't mean we're mighty, or we're not mighty, huh? And it, it moves on. The managers descended in an avalanche of suits, and Mary was suspended because she wouldn't touch the fruits. So here we go in to cultural context. We've got the context of oppression. You'll generally hear a reference to some form of oppression fought by the Irish in almost every story we tell. And we thread in elements of tradition, culture and history, which keeps the scar open just wide enough for it not to be forgotten. Adding cultural context provides a sense of place and identity to your story. Now at this point we go into the chorus, which is repeated a couple of times throughout the song. Done stores, done stores, done stores with St. Bernard, better value beats them all. And that's the basics of done stores. It's a very famous Irish store. And St. Bernard is the brand, a bit like you've got now um, Tesco and Tesco's finest. Thinking of listeners, where would you be? A lot of you are in Ireland, some of you in the UK, so you know what I mean. Tesco in America, Walmart. Walmart probably has their own brand. Uh, so Dunstores is the same as that. And those of you who are listening in other countries, I, I'm sorry if I, I, I don't know your... Uh, Carrefour probably has their own um, brand. Where else have we got in Spain? Mercadona has the... Hacienada. Ah, uh, no, Hacienada brand. So... It's the local brand in the store. We move on now. And we think about the local variation. So by talking about Dunn stores and naming it in the chorus, everybody in Ireland who's listening to this can resonate. Different parts of Ireland, of Ireland have different influences, though. So, say, different parts, in different parts of the country, Gwaelga, the Irish language, is spoken differently. 
So there are alterations in phrases and in the tellings of stories to add local variation. When Christy Moore gigs around the country, he'll change the names of places in his songs to the places he's in to localise it and make it more relevant to his audiences. Irish storytellers will do the same thing. And this is how stories weave and shift. We've the continuing conflict here and we move into the, the next verse. Well, our friends are all behind her and the union gave support and they called the strike in the pickets, brought all Dunstores to a halt. No one was going to tell the boss what, what he bought or sold. Those women were only workers. They must do as they are told. So we've got continuing conflict here. And with that little bit of mention about the boss, conflict, he wasn't going to do, he wasn't going to be told by women, never mind by men, but women workers, what he was to do. We move into another aspect, humour and wit. And and the reflection of the Irish identity. So two aspects. In the next verse, the humour and wit comes with a, a tasteful dollop of disgust and ridicule from our socialist singer. Isn't it just typical of apartheid screwball law? It's not just in South Africa, the rich temple and the poor. He wouldn't have a boycott. He couldn't give a tinker's curse. Doesn't matter how he fills the shelves as long as he lines his purse. Now, I want to add another cultural note here for modern day lyrics. I, I'm reading the lyrics as they are, and in the lyrics as they are, it's he couldn't give a tinker's curse. A tinker is not a word that I would use nowadays. Um, it's, it's a word used in reference to, um, in, in former times, somebody who makes a living by traveling from place to place but it's not a word that you would use nowadays. Um, but I, I certainly wouldn't anyway, but it's part of the song. So what he's saying in this verse then is, like he said, a bit of disgust for that rich boy manager who doesn't care about the people. They're there in their expensive suits. They don't care about the human as long as the money is coming into the shop. We've got a bit of humour and wit. He's making a joke with them. And reflecting the Irish identity. Feck the big boys in their expensive suits who don't care about the humans as long as the money's coming in. Irish begrudgery, I've mentioned it before. We don't care how much money you think you have or how good you, you think you are. You're no better than anybody else. Then we have the chorus again. And again, that Dunn stores is coming in. The link to cultural identity is really important in our stories. We want to always recognise that the land, the sea, the history, culture and pride in the community. The messages came rolling in from all around the world for such concern and sacrifice and for courage brave and bold. When 14 months were over, 10 women and a man had helped to raise the consciousness all around the land. Here we have community and gathering really coming in. Irish stories are told in pubs, in houses around tables, at firesides, very traditionally at firesides, with the, the storyteller or the shanky having a pride of place at the top. It's important to create a sense of togetherness and connection with the audience. We travel together along the journey, but the weaver moves just a little bit ahead to make sure we can all get around the obstacles together. So we've got community and gathering coming in here. 
And now we're moving towards the resolution, which comes with conflict, conflict and resolution, another aspect of the Irish story. Cleary's in O'Connell Street, wooden cells, South African shoes. Best man sent all their clothes back, roaches stores sent back their booze. Until all South African goods were taken off all the shells and duns. And Mary Manning was down in Henry Street, sticking to her guns. And here we have the resolution. The stores in Dublin started to take out the South African products and the goods. And Mary Manning still stood strong, sticking to her guns. Got a bit of old Irish literary language there, sticking to her objectives, not moving herself. Making sure that this did not stop until the last man was standing, as we might say. Another aspect of Irish stories is preservation, being able to pass down the story. And try to envision your story being passed down, told by your friends to theirs, your children to their friends, their friends to their lovers, generation to generation, each time told a new way, a new part woven in as the memory of the weaver shapes the story in their own unique way. But always with consideration of how the narrative adds to the preservation of cultural heritage. And the final aspect, which we don't see in this story, until we learn the outcome, is that of incorporating myth and folklore, integrating legendary heroes and heroines, supernatural beings and other aspects of Irish myth to add depth and authenticity. Our legendary heroine in this story is Mary Manning, who would go on to have a street named after her in Johannesburg and be invited to attend the funeral of Nelson Mandela. The Dunstore strike against apartheid lasted from July 1984 until April 1987, when the Irish government finally banned the import of all goods from South Africa. The ban came about because of public pressure in support of the strikers and was the first complete ban of South African imports by a Western government. We see 13 aspects of an Irish story in this song. Choose a theme, a message or a moral. Develop your characters. Set the scene and atmosphere. Incorporate mythology, legend and folklore. Use lyrical language. Observe oral tradition. Add conflict and resolution. Inject a bit of humour, wit and maybe some ridicule. Reflect cultural context. Add local variation. Consider community and context, your gathering space. Prepare to preserve and pass down. And reflect the Irish identity. Each aspect beautifully observed in this song. A song I chose because I'd never heard the story of Mary Manning prior to hearing Christy belt it out one day on a playlist as I mopped my kitchen floor. When I googled it and discovered the story to be true, I felt a rush of pride for my wee Isle of Ireland, the land of the little people, with voices and hearts that can change the world. Join me over the next few weeks as we delve deeper. Exploring Irish poetry, Irish myth 
folklore and legend, and maybe a few more songs, and whatever you'd like me to actually explore. I'm recording these week on week for the next while, so if you listen to this and there's something that you'd like me to break down and talk through in terms of how it's structured and built, please send me a message and I'll be only too delighted to do it. Unless it's Shakespeare. I'm not a fan of Shakespeare. And he's not Irish, so I can't be doing him anyway. As always, if you've enjoyed this, please like, share, follow the podcast, send it to your friends and family, encourage them to listen to it. And if you would be so kind, do give me a review. It really, really helps with the rankings. Other than that, I'd love to see you inside the Connected Communication Club. Join me. Learn how to do this for yourself. How to weave in your own vocal technique. Develop this as an aspect of your own cultural identity. Transfer it into the country that you're from, the culture that you're from, or the multiple cultures and countries that you're from. So that you can share your own stories. And until next time, Kajian Kye Dorella, Banakti, Agus Puikas. Thank you.